Fine. Yo, 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 yo. We are bike. What's going on, y'all? I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. Tonight is the night. No, I'm not gonna sing. But I, I'm excited. Tonight is a very special interview. Um, my homeboy, my friend, my one of my mentors is, is coming on tonight. So we're gonna have some fun. But I want to go ahead and share this out because I want y'all to know what time it is. It is time for real talk with Rajan featuring my friend. I'm so excited that I'm saying it twice. <laughs> Hey man, I'm I'm excited to interview my friend. Like I, I I gotta say that because you know a lot of times we get on these these platforms, man, and it's a lot of you know fronting and you know oh I know this person for years. Like no 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 no. Like this is my friend, and I'm proud I'm proud to say it. Not just because he's like the dopest anchor on the planet, but because he he is legit just one of the greatest people I've ever had opportunity to meet. But we're gonna talk about that during the show. But y'all know I like to get started right on time, so it is now. 829. I'm gonna let y'all go ahead and share this out. Um, share, share, share. Let people know we are live. We are live. We are live. We are live. Let them know. I'm trying to share it. Let's go ahead and cue that beautiful bean footage.
All right. Sorry about that. I don't know what, what that was, but I am back. Trust me, I am back. And I am here with my good friend, Mr. Raphael James of Channel 5 News. I want to welcome y'all to Real Talk Rajan. You can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. But I appreciate that. I am your host, Rajan Lewis. Now, you know, Real Talk Rajan, everything's debatable. So on any given week, we can be discussing anything from sports to music to politics. You name it, we'll discuss it. Now, for those who are new to the show, Real Talk Rajan has a goal of shining a light on the great things and the great people that exist right here in the Low Country. And this gentleman on the other side of my screen is one person that I am truly, truly, truly honored to know, not just to interview, but to know as a friend, a father, a husband, a mentor. But you know him as the Live 5 News Channel 5 anchor, Raphael James. Thank you for joining me, sir. Hey, thank you so much for having me on your platform. I'm very impressed with the things that you're doing. And as I watch that list of people who've already appeared on the show, I'm just humbled to have this opportunity. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. And I apologize for the technical difficulties. My computer froze. I don't know what happened, but it, happens. it won't happen again. But so, so let's go ahead and get, get right into it, because I know you have limited time. You got to get back on the news and give the, give all the, the good stuff that's going on in the world. But we're going to have a really good discussion today about a lot of things that's going on in the world surrounding um, just the news and, and life in general, because I know you in so many different facets. So I, I want to bounce through that. But let's start out with, with Raphael James. Who is Raphael James? I'm a guy who is from Augusta, Georgia, um, and I tell the news. I like telling stories. I like letting people know what's going on in their communities. I uh, moved here to Charleston about 18 years ago, and the people of Charleston embraced me and said, welcome home, boy. And I've been here, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. So so what got you, like, originally, like, made you want to join the news? And then you see, like, telling stories with that. Is there, like, when you were a child, were you, like, a part of the beta club and all that stuff? Or, like, how, how did it happen for you? Not the beta club. I actually, you know, I tell this story when I talk to kids. Um, I was in class and I was talking and I had one teacher said, whatever you do, I hope you do something where you talk for a living. Mm. So I can check that off. That happened. But then um, the other kind of foretelling of, of my career was in high school. I wrote for the school paper at it was an elective. I wanted to be into journalism and, you know, I decided to, to write for the paper. And there was a food fight in the cafeteria. And I wrote about it, but not necessarily in the way um, that I thought a news person would, would write about. It. I just kind of did my own thing uh, with it. And um, people read it, saw their names in it. They laughed. They thought it was funny and or, you know, I thought it was good. They enjoyed it. So that was where the bug bit. Uh, from there, I learned how to put stories together. I learned how to tell stories. I learned the elements and um, I became uh, came OK with it. And uh, my teacher then, uh, Miss Rhonda Duncan Thornton from Richmond Academy, she uh, had a, a very big part to play in that. Wow. OK. All right. Cool. So that's that's pretty cool. Shout out to you're from Augusta, right? Yes, sir. Augusta. Augusta. What high school did you go to in Augusta? Academy of Richmond County, ARC Musketeers. Oh, wow. So you went to, is that private school? Nope. It's not. It's public school. Public oh, school okay. with a private school name. Yeah. I'm about to say, I didn't know you was a private school kid, Raph. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. So, so you get into the news. When you, when you get, when you got into the news, um, what was your first impression of the profession of being in the news? Um... 
Well, I'll even go back a little farther, though, because uh, my career did start in Augusta uh, in radio. And, you know, from from high school, I decided this is what I want to do. So I want to pursue pursue journalism. I went to college uh, for it. I got my degree from Payne College, mass communications with an emphasis in journalism. While I was there, a young lady by the name of Therese Griffin introduced me to an internship opportunity at a local radio station, WBBQ. that radio station was actually, we Augusta's on the border, and the radio station was in North Augusta, South Carolina. Uh, it was a unique station. Um, they covered news seriously. Um, they had a fleet of news cars and uh, an owner who was the number one news guy. And when things would happen, fires, shootings, stabbings, you name it, no matter what, we were dispatched to the scene. And in a lot of cases, we got there first. Now, a lot of people will look at my um, social media posts because it's nothing for me to go live from the scene of something going on. And they'll say, how are you always in these places? And part of it is maybe instinct from having done it for so many years, but knowing what to look for, what to hear when I see the sirens, where are they going? knowing who to call to find out, knowing the back road so I can get there um, before anybody else does. So that goes into it. But um, I got an internship with that radio station, make a long story short. After the internship was over, they called me back and offered me a full-time job while I'm still in school pursuing my degree. So that full-time job came with, while I'm in college, uh, that full-time job came with a car, company car, company cell phone, which was a big deal at the time. Well, the cell phone was in the car, but still. Um, Benefits, insurance, and I'm getting paid for it. You know, so at this point, you really couldn't tell me anything. You know, I'm like, hey, what do I need to finish school for? I've gotten what I came here for. But no, it was a really, really valuable um, opportunity for me. I got a chance to work with a lot of good people. And I go back to the internship. The first really uh, milestone that I reached was a few days into my internship. I went out with a guy who was my mentor, Wayne Roberts at the time, and there was a drowning. Uh, a kid had uh, jumped into the Savannah River behind his friends and, and wow. he drowned. I was in the car. That was the call we got. So up until that point, I'd never... Um, I don't want to be gruesome, but I'd never seen fresh death. I'd never been involved in in something like that. The uh, child had been underwater for a few days. They recovered the body. The grandfather had to come and identify the body. And that was that in itself was so painful and nerve wracking, you know, just to sit and, and watch him. So I'm experiencing all of these emotion, seeing death up close like that for the first time, seeing grief that, not that for the first time, but seeing grief in that way, right. uh, being so close to it, you know, kind of like an observer. It's almost, I'm here, but should I be here? I'm seeing this, but do I want to see this? And uh, it, it shook me up a little bit. So uh, Wayne told me, hey, just go sit in the car for a little bit. Um, and uh, he came back over and while he's doing what he has to do, I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't want to know if this can be the rest of my life. Yeah. And uh, he came in 
and he sat down and he started his report. And by the time he had finished, I changed my mind because what he did was he told that young man's story. Mm. The, the story that few hours before, nobody knew the kid, wasn't thinking about the kid, didn't know anything about him. But now uh, that child meant something. Yeah. Um, the circumstances that led up to that child losing his life meant something to everybody else. So now we have a child who followed friends off of a railroad bridge into the river and didn't know how to swim. Mm. Do my kids know how to swim? That's the questions that people yeah. ask after they hear this report. Yeah. Um, this is, I need to have a conversation with my kids about swimming, about making good choices, about the people who they're around. I need to maybe get more involved. And when I saw that, just the, a, a quick report that he did could be that powerful and impact so many lives, even, even if it was unintentional, even if all he was saying is what happened, which really was what he was saying. Yeah. For that moment, that child, that family, they were given the visibility that they had not been given uh, up until this point. So that was uh, formulative in my career. Wow, wow. That's that's an amazing story. I'd never heard that story before. I've known you for about four years now, and that's the first time I've ever you know, heard about that story. So I can only imagine. Um, I, I think it's a good point right there to ask when we're talking about the news, um, a lot of times, um, you as the news reporter, and of course, in writing, it's a lot different than even in uh, in video form. Um, you have the opportunity to really shape the narrative surrounding um, th these people that the stories are happening that they're happening to. A lot of people just see them as 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 uh, just random people. Um, what is the, the 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 task that you feel when you're charged with doing that? And and that's the mistake that maybe some of my colleagues make. These these aren't random people. And when you're new to a place, I think that's a trap you can get lulled into. Yeah. I'm reporting about what happened. I'm reporting about what happened, but these people don't mean anything be to me because I don't know them. Yeah. Uh, this neighborhood doesn't mean anything to me because I don't know anybody in that neighborhood. Uh, one of the things I did when, when I came to Charleston, you know, I didn't know how long I was going to stay, but I wanted to know where I was. I wanted to know my way around. I don't like being lost. So I made myself lost so I could learn my mm -hmm. way around. And in the process, I met so many different people. Uh, my church family uh, spread out all over the area. So just by virtue of that, I began to meet people from all over the geographic area yeah. so that within a short amount of time, even though. I maybe didn't know this person who was killed. I maybe knew somebody who was related to them. Yeah. I maybe knew somebody who was a friend to them. You know, talk about the movie Six Degrees of Separation. Yeah. It's it's much less than that here. Um, you 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 once you start living in the community and and you have a heart for the people, your your heart breaks and you you it can't just be a number or a name. Uh, that's the goal, to tell everybody's story, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and do so in a way where people can still hold on to some dignity. Mm. 
if at all possible. Yeah, yeah. Wow. What is the hardest thing about your job? Uh, the hardest thing is reporting on those kinds of stories that really do have a negative impact on on people's lives. And again, the the longer I had been here, when I first got here, uh, my friend Kevin Smith introduced me to a mentoring group at, at, at one of the middle schools here. And I did that. And, you know, just as those boys grew up and went through middle school and high school, some of them stayed in touch, some of us didn't. But then to find out later, maybe this one did something really, really good. Yeah. But then to find out this one got himself into a little bit of trouble. And I hate that because this kid was really, really smart. He had a yeah. chance. I didn't yeah. want that. So again, um, those touch points, those connections. Um, and I forgot your question. I was, I got lost on a tangent. About your job. Thank you. That, that is the hardest part then. Um, the hardest part about my job is it would be the hardest thing you might have to do. And that's telling your family about something that's gone wrong. Yeah. Informing your family now that this happened and it's unfortunate and this is what's going to happen because of it. Speaking of talking to family and speaking of things that went wrong, I happen to know, you know, the night of, you know, June 17th, um, you, you were one of the first people to report on the Emanuel shooting. And I know that's something that's a very near and dear subject to your heart. Um, what was it like? to report that and to be the person that had to bring that news to the low country. All right. Um, now, Rajan, I might punt on this question mm -hmm. and, and I hate to do that. No, I understand. Um, I have been open about it. I've talked about it many times, but if I'm honest with you and I'm truthful with you, um, that night uh, uh, still hurts in a way that I'm not over yet. And I can't really talk about it yeah. without um, um, a great deal of difficulty. And yeah. I'd, I'd rather stay up. Um, it, it was it was it was very difficult. Um, again, um, these are these are people that I knew. Yeah. People I potentially potentially knew because at the time you didn't know everybody. Right. And these are people I've had conversations with, I've seen out in the community. So at the moment that night, I knew someone was dead. I didn't know who. I didn't know necessarily who they were related to. But as I started seeing some of the families come up and I'm like, ah, I know you. I'm so sorry. Um, that was the hardest part, trying to do you did this this is your fault um trying to do my job in a manner that was professional and respectful yeah yes people are dead inside of this building there are people you know and there are people out there who you're talking to they know them yeah do them that respect yeah. don't say something that's going to unnecessarily cause them harm there's yes. no need in saying who's dead right now. 
precisely. I mean, number one, you don't know, but number two, you know, I report what I can report and that was all I could do at that night. And that was the hardest part. Um, trying to tell you what I knew because obviously everybody wanted to know what was going on, but also not trying to let you in on what I was pretty sure I knew, but couldn't confirm. Yeah. I I, want to pause right there and just, and just one, thank you for answering that question because I know this is a difficult topic for you. Um, You and I have talked about it in person a couple of times and every time I know that it affects you. Give me one sec. Um, Keep going. I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know that if, 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 impacts him um and that's something that's near and dear to his heart he's he's a great man and i have had the honor and privilege of seeing the guy beyond raphael james channel 5 news and i consider that to be an honor and a privilege to know you in that way um let's talk a little bit something a little more a little more fun oh well well before we do though because i i'm a big advocate of mental health And um, I'll tell you, before, I hate to keep going back into my career, but it it ties in. Um, The first story that I told you about, about the kid, that was tough. That was hard for me to take. Unfortunately, it got a little easier being on the scene of things like that, gruesome things. It wasn't easy. You understand, but mm-hmm. I got to a point where I can look beyond it and do my job that needed to be done. I was talking with a Red Cross worker back when I was in Augusta. They had gone to the scene of a hurricane and she was working with the Red Cross. She was a volunteer and she just had, just had a kind spirit and she was talking to me and she started asking me questions. And, you know, about what I did. And I started answering those questions. And for no reason at all, the tears started falling. I wasn't bawling. I wasn't sad. But she had reached in with her questioning and pulled at scabs I didn't know I had. Yeah. And um, that day I realized there are things that I've seen that I thought I was okay with. There are things that I've uh dealt with that humans should not have to see that i thought i had dealt with i thought that they were um not issues for me because i could still go about i could still laugh with my friends i could still joke and talk i could still go on these crime scenes and do what i needed to do but um that was when i first started to realize no, it, it's affected me even more. So after Mother Emanuel and after the trial, after the trial, um, the day of, of sentencing, I remember at the end of one of the newscasts reading the names of the victims or saying the names of the victims and I almost couldn't finish. Mm. I was, it was a wave of emotion uh, that came over me and it, it really hasn't left me. I don't, I haven't talked about this uh, so much publicly, but um, like many of you, I'm, I'm no different from a lot of you. That was traumatic yeah. 
yeah. not just for the families, but for all of Charleston, all of South Carolina. And believe it or not, all of America felt that. And the purpose or the unnecessariness of it all, we felt that and we're dealing with that. And I've just got to be honest about the way I'm dealing with it or not dealing with it. I have yeah. to um, force myself to look at that. And so that's why I chose not to maybe answer that question as directly as I could, because I see there's still places and areas for healing. And I want to, if I can, be an advocate for people seeking help. Don't push bad feelings down and feel like you've gotten over it because it has a way of coming back and revealing itself in a way you probably would rather not want to deal with it. And I have a beautiful wife, Serena, who helps me with that uh, often. And she's very supportive and encouraging. And I love you, hon. I appreciate you. So she's in here, she's in here watching. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the answer. And sorry to be so long-winded. No, if if we're gonna talk about that, then I want to talk about that other piece. Get help. Yes. Don't sit there and suffer. Don't sit there and uh, beat yourself up for crying when you know sometimes you really do have something to cry about. And yeah. the tears are a way of releasing uh, some of that stored up stuff. So I'm I'm off of that. No, you're good. Thank you, and thank you for sharing that because I did. I'm, I'm one of. I don't want to dig too deep, you know. And I, I don't, you know. I, I just. But I think it's also important that people see you, because it's one thing to see that person on the screen, and it's like, oh, he's so calm and he's so cool, he's so debonair. But Raphael James also feels, you know. Um, I, I again, I've had the unique experience of knowing you, the person. Um, I remember the first time. That you and I, um, I remember we, we did the uh, anti-bullying video in 2014, mm -hmm. but yeah. after that, when we started doing the Distinguished Gentlemen's Club in uh, 2016, um, I remember sitting down with you at uh, McAllister's and just having the opportunity to get to know, I'm like, one, I was like, I'm sitting down with Raphael James, this is the coolest thing ever, but <laughs> to find out that you were also as interested in mentoring young men and seeing young men become great men. And and pulling yourself from oh he's not this person that sees himself on this 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 platform he's he's just a regular person who we see on TV every day. Can you talk about the fact that like what people misconceive about you as as a news person as opposed to Raphael James the person? I, you know I I will try but I don't I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think I think I come across as regular Joe to a fault. I'm not your anchor man, Ken doll, you know, uh, prototype news guy, you know, um, I'm kind of tall. I'm black. I make bad jokes. I've got a bald head and, you know, I've been bigger, you know, than, than what you might be accustomed to. Um, but all of that aside, I do my job in a way where I think I'm interested in what you think about the story yeah. that I'm saying. And I, I, I try to make sure that what everything we have in the newscast um, 
isn't wasting your time. Everything we have speaks to you in a way that you can appreciate. Now, whether you like me or don't like me, you know, I get that. And everybody has their preferences, but I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to do my job to the best that I can and to the best of my benefit and definitely to the best of your benefit, because I want you to get something out of it, whether you like me or not. So um, that is kind of what I've tried to do. So in my eyes, I'm just regular rough. Um, And that's the way I carry myself, whether I'm here in the studio or out in the field or in the store. And uh, for the most part, I think people who know me see that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So you just touched on a very important um, aspect that I really want to talk to about tonight. And we talked about a little bit before we got on camera, which is this idea of the news, right? The idea of the news, your job as a journalist reporting the news. Um, mm-hmm. What is your, your, what are your thoughts on the, the recent turn that that the news has taken um going from and i'll you know i'll say in my in my in my mind going from reporting the news to creating the news to becoming the news um to editorializing even like what are your thoughts on on that on that turn that's taken that that has seemed to have taken recently uh it's a slippery slope and it's been an evolution of news, so to speak. And when I speak of that, I'm, I'm speaking um, mostly of the cable news networks. Um, if you go back years and years and years, um, and my people growing up, uh, Max Robinson, Peter Jennings, uh, Dan Rather, I was, uh, Walter Cronkite uh, was around for a little bit during my day. Those were newsmen. They came on, they gave you the facts. They didn't interject any opinion. There wasn't, if there was any commentary in the show, it was maybe two minutes at the end and it was set apart as commentary. There weren't any ifs, ands, or buts. But things have evolved, as I said, and the news has become a money maker. And when the industry became a money maker, people who make money got involved in it. And therefore it became, how can we do the mission and maximize the dollars that we make? And this is just me talking. I hope I don't get in any trouble, but what I've seen happen through the years and not just one network, not just one station through the years that has evolved. The way we tell stories has evolved. Um, Some of the things that we do now as, as news media in America, they wouldn't have thought of doing those things back in the day. They wouldn't have dared do those things back in the day. But today you can watch a news network give commentary about what's going on and nobody flinches, nobody bats an eye. And that's liberal and conservative. Correct. Yes. Uh, It's like the news, which I feel should be, you know, objective and told that this is what happened. You make your own decision about it. I'm not here to make you uh, feel like council should do one thing or the other. I'm just, this is what happened. You know, how you feel about it is how you feel about it. So um, we have kind of 
taking news in a different direction. So now what we have is people will turn on the news and not so much locally, uh, at least from what I can see, not so much locally do you have uh, anchormen and reporters giving their opinions about different stories, but certainly nationally you see a bit more of that. And um, it kind of blurs the lines. So since this is going on, I think the challenge is going to be on the viewers. It's going to be on the electorate. It's going to be on the citizens, the taxpayers. You've got to do as much as you can to educate yourself. Listen to what these outlets are saying. Take the information, but you're going to have to weigh it. There's so many sources of getting news. You can get your news any way you want it. You can get your sports any way you want it. If you like liberal news, you know exactly where to go to get liberal news. If you like conservative news, you know exactly where to go to get conservative news. But what do you do when you just want the truth? Yeah. I feel like there are not enough of us who actively seek the truth. So sometimes you have to watch a little bit of this and a little bit of that and, you know, maybe do some more digging to get to the truth, especially if you feel, especially if you sense that you're not being shot straight from the get go. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. That that's such a great answer. Such a great answer, especially for someone who is in the profession and, and really understands and who, who I think does a marvelous job of just reporting the news without interjecting you. Um, your feelings. Um, speaking of a news story that you reported, um, I remember the night of uh, May 30th um, this year, mm -hmm. um, downtown Charleston. Right. Started out with a peaceful rally, um, ended up with what some call a riot, some call an uprising, some call um, the worst night in the history of Charleston, even though right. you know the history of Charleston, that was not nearly the worst night in the history of Charleston. But I digress. I remember um, I was in Myrtle Beach with my wife and um, we were actually celebrating our anniversary, but I was my the entire entire time I could watch one feed just to see what was really going on. And it was yours. Um, what mm. was that night like for you? Man, um it was it was it was frightening, uh to be honest with you. Um it I didn't know what was going to happen. And I was off. I wasn't that wasn't my regular day to work. Wow. We had been downtown because I had heard that a crowd was growing. This was earlier in the day. They wanted to march down uh, King Street. And for those who aren't watching, that was during the period of unrest where uh, it was right after um, George Floyd had died and people were burning cities all over America. They were demonstrating all over America. And here in Charleston, uh, it was no different. They were hot about it. They were upset about it. And they were expressing themselves. So I drove down to see what was going, what was going on. And I recorded or, or went live on my phone and saw the parade. I uh, saw people chanting. I saw them peacefully marching down the streets, expressing their displeasure, holding their signs, letting people know that uh, killing unarmed black men in this country is not okay. Uh, there was a flag that was burned, but all of this for the most part went along peacefully with Charleston police standing by. Um, during that time, 
I got word from people who trust me uh, that the what happened last time with Mother Emanuel and what happened with the way things went peacefully, I got word that's not going to happen yeah. this time. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to see it happen. Um, and I was there. So I, I stayed and towards dark, another crowd formed and started walking along the market. And then it didn't take long before you could see that this was going to be more than mm -hmm. what we were used to, more than what we saw. I saw a man, you know, in the grace of God, he didn't get beat up by the crowd. Uh, he antagonized them and they went, they went at him. Um, and then, you know, the whole chain of events happened, but I'm, I'm there, I'm embedded, if you will, in the crowd, capturing it so that there's no question about what's going on. You don't have to be at home wondering what's happening. I'm here. Um, yeah. This is my job. This is, I want you to see firsthand what's going on. And as much as I could, I engaged with the people who were protesting or rioting or demonstrating, whatever you want to say. Yeah. I tried to engage with them. I, I, I listened to them. I, I tried to, you know, understand why they were doing the things that they did. And uh, the rest is on the videotape, so to speak. Wow. Yeah. So at no point were you afraid or anything like that? You were not made to feel afraid or to feel like, you know, you shouldn't be here or anything like that? Yes, all of the above. Um, my daughter, who is a, a young adult, she wanted to she wanted to come. Um, she's a, awake and conscious to what's going on around the country. And I said, no, not 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 this time. Um, it had bad vibes. But again, no, I'm not working, but this is my city and I, I care about it. And this is, you know, for, for, for now, this is what I'm called to do. So I went out there and I reported on it and, you know, that's, that's it. Yes. I was, I was afraid. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. I wasn't a cop. I wasn't a, a protester. And at any moment, either of those groups could have mistaken me or, yeah. you know, decided, hey, we don't like you right now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was not a it was not a good feeling at all. Yeah. The entire especially, night, especially watching what was going on all around the country, because at that point, I think I think when South Carolina went off, it wasn't the last state but in the middle, because at some point, like every state in the in the union, I mean, in the United States has has had some kind of protest or some kind of, quote unquote, uprising. You know, um, due to you know the the, the police brutality situation, um, but again, I I just want to I wanted to point I wanted to talk to you about that night because I just remember watching it and thinking like, man, Raph is just down there. I know if I was in Charleston, I would not have been down there. Um, and I just wondered what 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 your feelings were. Um, so thank you for sharing that and thank you for making a point of it to love Charleston, like to love this city like your own. I I know you know Augusta is your hometown, but much like you know Barnwell. And Augusta fight over James Brown. We're gonna fight over you. Like we're we're claiming you as ours. I know you were born in Augusta, but you were one of us. And well, I appreciate that. Real I quick, really we do. Back 
I'm losing you a little bit. Issues, I don't know. Um, but um, can you hear me? I can hear you now. You're frozen. My side. Okay. Okay. Um, you're frozen on my side, but I can hear All right. you. I can I can hear you. Oh, we're good. Okay, looks like we're good again. All right. Um, let's talk about like Raphael the person, right? Okay. Because we talked about Raphael, the news reporter, the anchor. Um, I want to talk about Raphael the person. Um, you have a special situation. Um, you you have you know three children, a wife, beautiful mm -hmm. wife, beautiful family. Um, yes. but as a father, as a father, um, you have an experience that is unique to you. Um, as a father, having a son who who um, is on the autism spectrum. Um, mm -hmm. how has that impacted your life? Because a lot of people don't know that. Um, I know it because I taught him. I love him. That's my guy. But um, mm -hmm. how how has that been for you? Um, well, you know, maybe more than anybody how it's been personally because we've had these conversations. Um, I, first of all, I want to give a shout out to my wife, Serena, uh, my yeah. oldest daughter, Jaden, my son, Grant, yeah. and my daughter, Nia. They are, that's my crew. James party of five, we roll deep and uh, we love each other and we like hanging out with each other. So um, proud of all of them, um, so talented. Uh, Grant is, um, I, ha I had a great relationship with my father and my father taught me to do so many different things. And I only, I, I looked forward to it without even knowing how much I was looking forward to yeah. having a son of my own. So having said that, when, when Grant came onto the scene, yes, I love all of my children, but when my son got here, I'm like, well, now I can go in and, and pour into him the same things that my dad poured into me. And I've, I've tried to do that no matter what his, his role, his role, his road is somewhat different. He has different challenges than what some others face, but we don't or have not given him space to think of himself differently. We want him to be as successful as he can. We always have. And it's caused us to grow in some ways to get him the helps that he needs to accomplish his uh, his goals, his schoolwork, and things like that. And there are some spots that we've been in and are in right now that, quite frankly, are difficult and scary. Yeah. And as the head of household, the father who the responsibility falls to, I don't have all the answers, and that scares me. And when I try the best that I can and still come up short, in terms of or, or come up with what I feel is short in terms of providing him the best care and getting the things that I feel he needs to be successful. It is it is a scary feeling. So to ask me, you know, how I'm doing, I'm doing the best that I can. My wife and I, we are doing the best that we can every single day. Um, and we're we're praying to God daily, asking yeah. for his guidance. And I, I, I just, I, I, I know that all of my children are going to be successful yeah. and everything is going to work out. Yeah. 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 I, I, I want to say, you know, personally, like I said in the beginning of this view, 
Um, I've had the opportunity to get to know you, get to know your family. Um, Grant, I taught Grant in fourth and fifth grade, I believe. And uh, I also- I um, think you might be one of his favorite teachers too. That's my guy. Listen, that's my guy. Listen, Grant is my guy. And I've been able to see him learn and grow. But I've also been able to see the way you fight for your children. And I gained so much. I mean, I, I've I've got so much respect for you and what you do in life on, on the news, of course. But as a man, as a man, as a father, the way I've seen you as a teacher sit on the other side of the table and fight for the rights of your son. Though he may have needs that that are different than other students. You fight, you and Serena, y'all fight to make sure that your child gets every single opportunity to be successful. And I wanted to say on camera how much that means to me as a black man, as a father, as a person who has watched your journey since 2016, who's known your family since 2016, your daughter, Jaden, you know, your daughter, Jaden, I love, you know how I feel about Jaden. I love Jaden. Jaden's taught in my classroom. Uh, she, you know, she volunteered in my classroom. Right. No, that's, that's my girl. Like Nia, one of the smartest, smart as a whip, just one of ISIS's best friends. Our families are intertwined. And I, I wanted to make sure on camera in front of America, in front of the world, I was able to tell you how much I appreciate you. Um, we've done this in lunch, but I wanted to do it on camera because it means something for a blunt black man to say to another black man, I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And it's not Yeah, it's frozen a little bit. The, the feeling is mutual. I don't know if you can still hear me. The feeling is mutual, man. I, I have the uh, tremendous yeah, like, <laughs> respect for you. Yeah, man. Like, I, I just wanted to say that to you. Like, I, I wanted to make sure I said that to you. Um, so thank you for, for your example. Always thank you for your example. Um, let's get back to the news before we start crying. And then there'll be two black men on camera crying. <laughs> and then there'll be a whole other show. Like, man, we got to Anyway. Uh, Trolls. We live in an age where, like, news. How is that? You're breaking up on me a little bit. Uh, I'm sorry. But can you hear you me? Say trolls. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so how how do you deal with like the 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 social media trolls? Anytime you post a, a news article, anytime you post a. A, a, a story, there's somebody who has something negative to say about rap. How do you deal with that? Well, okay, so social media, I love social media. I love doing Facebook at work. Now, it, it's even, I feel social media is different. The, the kind of, the way I do social media to me, even though it's work-related, I see it as different from being here at the anchor desk and speaking out over the crowd because I can interact more. You can talk to me and I can talk back to you. What I like to do with my platform is to engage people and make them think. Again, remember what we talked about? Yes. Uh, if we go forward, the population is going to have to be smarter. We're going to have to educate ourselves more. We're going to have to be able to think critically. And that's what I love seeing. Not just, well, XYZ radio host over here said, this is the way I should think. And 
This one right here said, these are my talking points. Yeah. I, I don't want to do that. I want us to have real conversations yeah. back and forth, whether I agree with you or not. And most of the time, if you notice, I don't really say what I feel. If you give me a viewpoint, I might right. challenge you from the other side of the viewpoint just to get you to express yourself more. But I'm not doing this so that I can win an argument. I'm not doing this so that uh, I can be right and you can be wrong. I'm doing this so we can have really good conversations. And those who are watching, those who may never type in can see that and say, you know what? That's a point. I don't agree with it, but that's a point. So that's what I do with my social media. So that is the goal always to have yeah. good, clean dialogue, to disagree if we need to disagree and not be disagreeable, yeah. to um, throw away the seeds, but keep the fruit, so to speak. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're my guy. If, if you don't agree with me on something, I shouldn't just throw away the whole relationship because on this one thing that we're both passionate about, you don't agree with me. Yeah. So that is my goal. That is my ministry on social media. So now that being said, if we get on there and people don't like me, they don't like that I'm asking questions. They don't like what I'm asking questions about. You know what? God bless you. There are several other stations you can go to. There are other uh, personalities you can go to within my station. You don't have to be on my page. But since you are, how do you feel about this? Or why do you feel that way? I don't care that you don't like me so yeah. much. Um, yeah. And I read all the comments, even the negative ones. Uh, some you engage with, some you don't. You know, I've developed some pretty thick skin. Uh, people say some hurtful things all the time. And um, you know what? Okay. But you're, you know, it, it is what it is. I don't uh, reward that by always typing something back and saying right. something to you. Um, and a lot of times I'm noticing now, I don't have to say anything. I had a teacher at Richmond Academy, Ms. Ann S. Knighton, who would um, say something to the effect, when the reprimands come from the students, I need not worry. And mm. basically, so when my followers speak out before I have an opportunity to, I need not worry. They've, they've got my back on those things, those trolls that really just yeah. want to goad you into an argument. So, but other than that, I will engage and I will respond with people who genuinely want to have a good, honest to God conversation. Yeah, that, that's a great way to deal with it. That's a great way to deal with it, man. Um, that's, yeah. Cause I was wondering, I'm like, you can post something like, <laughs> Top five. And then it'd be somewhere like Raphael, don't you have something else to talk about? And I'm like, huh? Like he's a news reporter. He didn't exactly. say, I think that this this fire was started by, and this is all because, <laughs> like, he's just like house catches on fire. How does that offend you? But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to ask you we have a few more. Yes, yes. So I want to ask you um, about another. I want to get back to the personal because I told you I was going to hop between personal and professional mm -hmm. um, mentorship. Um, you've been involved, you know, in mentorship in a lot of different ways. Um, you've been involved with a lot of different organizations. But, you know, for the last four years, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with you with the Distinguished Gentlemen's Club Mentoring Program um, through Low Country Youth Services, which is near and dear to both of our hearts. And um, I want to know what have you learned 
as a mentor that maybe you wouldn't have learned if you hadn't been in mentorship? Um, so much. Um, but I think maybe what the way I'll answer it is what I have been able to take away. Um, each of us as mentors can look back to a point in our lives where we were insecure, where we made bad decisions, where we uh, could have done things better. And I think it's human nature to want to help Grant or RJ or one of the other young brothers not make the same mistakes. Yeah. So being able to have someone to mentor, to be a mentor towards keeps us in touch with that inner youth of ourselves. Uh, we can get to a point where we can puff our chest out and we can say, I'm so and so and so and so and look how far I've come. But that keeps you grounded. That keeps you humble. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, I remember when you were this and you can help somebody now. So go do that. So yeah. I think being able to constantly dialogue with the youth and remember things from a different standpoint, the way they're seeing things and then add the wisdom that you have you have garnered up until now. That's what I can give and that's what I can take away. And I think that is so valuable. So if there is a lesson to learn, I think it's just the lesson is the connectivity there between the younger and the more experienced. You see, I didn't say old. I said more no, experienced. I see, I see what you did there. That was good. That was really good. That was really good. Uh, question. Mm -hmm. That day comes, it's going to come for all of us. Raphael James is no longer able to be on the news. You know, he's not here with us. What do you want people to remember about Raphael James? Well, my hope would be that they say he gave it his best. He did the best that he could. He did right by Charleston or he did right by the people who watched him because now our audience even right now could be worldwide and we don't even know it. So he did right by the people that he was charged with getting the information to. He cared about his family and he cared about people and he wanted to make the world a better place. He wasn't the smartest guy, but he wanted to make sure that all of us were thinkers. And, um, if I could have somebody say that after I've stepped away from the game, then I would consider my career a success. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. I love that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up because I know you got to get back to the news and I want to make sure, you know, you're, you're ready to go for tonight. Um, what are your parting thoughts this, this evening before we close? Well, my parting thoughts are that, you know, I love, platforms like this. And I thank you for what you're doing and how you're engaging with the culture, how you are um, doing so much for the community and not neglecting your family in the meanwhile. You know, it's a very delicate dance and I know it gets frustrating, but you are doing it, you and your lovely wife. And I just applaud you all so much with what you're what you're doing. And I know greater is on the way. Don't stop uh, doing what you're doing. You're inspiring young 
and experience the like, men and women. And uh, of course, you know it better than I do, but um, the women who are involved in DGC, Distinguished Gentlemen's Club, the mentoring program that we're, we're all uh, a part of, um, greatly appreciate the role that all of our mentors play in helping our, our, our young men. And DGC is, um, it may not be unique, but it feels like it's unique to me in the way that we do come together, in the way that we do provide so many different personalities, but positive personalities within one group. And um, I'm just grateful and blessed to be a part of it. And thank you for allowing me to be a part of it and to be here and share this platform with you tonight. Man, thank you so much. Before we get off, I got to tell this story. Um, I told you before we came on, you didn't know, but I want to tell everybody. Um, a few months ago, September, my grandma passed um, passed away. And I haven't talked about it at all on my show at all. Um, my grandma passed away. And that was a really difficult time for me. Um, I didn't want to do anything um, at all. Um, I didn't want to, you know, really get out of bed or go anywhere. And I definitely didn't want to be in front of anybody's camera um, talking about anything at all. And I didn't, you know, um, and I had seriously considered never doing this again, never, ever doing this again. I did not plan on turning this camera back on. Um, I was going to box my stuff up and just like try to just lay low and, and just exist. And um, I remember you reached out to me. For lunch and me and you we went to lunch because like i said we're actually friends in real life which i i, I take honor in um and while we were at lunch you know you asked me about the show and i was like dude i i don't i don't know um i don't know if i have it in me i don't know if i have the energy to do it i don't know if i have the brain space to do it and you encouraged me you know you told me you know how much you believed it and hearing that come from you with your level of experience in the game and your level of, of know-how and your level for me than you'll ever know um after that i decided to get back into it um just once just to try it um for the election cycle and i was able to to do those interviews um i said i'll try to do it for the election cycle and realized like I found the love for it again, but that probably never would have happened if I hadn't sat down with you and had that lunch. So I want to thank you so much for having the lunch with me. Thank you for buying that steak for me. Um, because I told you I wanted a steak and you were like, get you a steak, bro. And I got me a steak. So, um, but seriously, thank you for that, man. I love you. I appreciate you as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a mentor, and definitely as the greatest, the greatest, anchor to ever touch oh, a wow. television camera, man. Like, there's Walter Cron Cronkite, then there's Raph <laughs> to me. To me. Um, I appreciate you, bro. And with that being said, man, I'm gonna wrap this show because you gotta do the news. You had something? I, I, I appreciate you and don't stop, man. Keep going. You've got a talent, you've got a gift, and the people are watching and you've got a voice. Use it, bro. night my bro Raphael james it looks like my screen's going in and out but that's all right thank you to my bro Raphael james of live five channel five news make sure you i'm gonna 
I'm frozen. WCSC, W Channel 5 News, that's right. By 5 News, WCSC, that's it. Yes, sir. Check him out every night, every weeknight. He is bringing the news, and some days he bring the news too, right? 5.30, 7.30, and 11. See you then. Yes, and check him out tonight. He's probably got some really dope news to share. And even if it's not great news, he's going to make it interesting because he's rap. My name is Rajon Lewis, and this has been Real Talk with Rajon. I hope y'all enjoyed this discussion. I wanted to give y'all something other than the average. Let me tell you, tell me about yourself. I wanted to get that. I wanted to just let y'all, let y'all see the guy that I know. The guy that I know, the guy that I love, Mr. Raphael James. Not the news guy, but the guy guy who's an amazing, amazing, amazing human being. If you like this show, check out all my interviews. You can find me on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts can be found. You can also watch it on YouTube. When you watch, please leave a review. Let me know what you think about this show. If you watched it and you thought that show was terrible, let me know why you thought it was terrible. I want to know. That series, like Raphael says, I also read all the comments and I try to respond to all the comments. So make sure you watch, uh, review, subscribe to my channel, especially my YouTube channel. I don't have nearly enough YouTube channels to be this dope. But anyway, with that being said, I want to thank you all for watching. Um, next week, I have another guest on whose name I can't remember, but she is equally important. And I'm. I think doing something like the Heritage Act. Heritage Act. So that's pretty interesting. Um, check us out next Wednesday at 7 p.m. We're back to the regular time. Thank you, Raphael James, for making. Thank you, sir. Remember, if it's everything, and without him, we are nothing. So never forget where your help comes from. And if a man doesn't stand for something, he is bound to fall for anything. Now that is real talk. I will see you next Wednesday. Peace.